Trail Learn Deep, podcast episode 74. Right. That one peaked hard. Director of Data Science, Alex Caravan here. I think it's We're ready to shoot. I, I ain't twisting anything off, bro. Ready to shoot this into Limley's eye pocket. Kyle Limley, Pulse Product Manager, uh, drinking a... Oh, yeah, I didn't say what it was. In case you can't tell. <laughs> yeah. In case you've never Rocky seen a light Mountain beer Blue before. Light, baby. You should um, move this way so you're more in frame. What do you mean? Oh, this way? Yeah, yeah. So for you want me to take, over, podcast, you want me to take more, uh, yeah. over more of the show than I already do, yeah, Doc? T- yeah. Or uh, actually, no, wait, where you were is good. Just like slightly half and half out of frame. Sorry, did you? I already went to. Is it me now? Anthony Brady. Uh, oh, these are good, dude. Director of Sports dude. Science, Driveline Baseball, primary host of the Driveline R&D Research and Drinks podcast. This is episode 74, and we got a guest. Uh, third time. It's I have the record. Hardly I have the unofficial record. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Yeah. For, for Chris Lingen. And uh, first time he's on the show with, we got Caravan here this time. So this we, one are, gonna matter. we are Let's recording. This one is going to matter. <laughs> we're, not, uh, we're not doing what we did a few weeks ago. We're not recording. recording. Yeah. Hmm. It says it's recording, so I think we should be good. <laughs> I'm going to be look, look, looking over there the whole time. Yeah. Make sure yeah. that red I thing's still going. do that pretty frequently <laughs> on all the yeah. other episodes. Um, just, you weren't there, dude, but it was it was tough, man. Well, well, what happened? <laughs> I just didn't hit record. Oh, okay. Oh, By the end of the second one, I was actually... I thought I'd hit record... I don't know what happened. I mean, we just, we recorded a banger. It's probably like an hour and a half, just talking back and forth about stuff. Go to all hands, come back afterwards. Lindley's uh, like tearing down the stuff, wrapping up the cables. And I'm like looking in the file explorer for the video recording. Can't find it anywhere. You, just you, nothing. You know what, the one, uh, I, I saw this yesterday. I was, I was, or probably a couple of days ago, actually. Not yesterday, I don't know. Whatever, maybe yesterday doesn't matter. But but I uh, I was editing one of our videos because I uh, on the timestamps if you don't put zero zero like the YouTube won't recognize it. And yeah. I clicked on a random old Travel Energy podcast video and I saw it had it. And I edited and I was looking through some other ones and I saw episode seven. We did the same thing if you remember. That was when we recorded on Sunday. I forget what happened. And then episode seven was Monday morning right before we put it out. And it's, it might be the one I might have gone. Uh, the drunkest on because I was ripping two <laughs> stiff ass Bloody Marys. <laughs> Do you oh, remember yeah, that yeah. episode? Time, and the whole time you're we just like, yeah, no, sounds great for a good day of work. <laughs> it's like 11 a.m. Monday. Wait, was that? And I was, I was over, I was over at Belly's. I was over at Belly's apartment. She was serving me Bloody Marys, uh, the stiffest thought, Bloody yeah. Marys possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember that. I thought you were talking about the one where. Um, we did it at Pioneer Square, but we didn't have video. It was like audio. Oh, no, in that conference room. Was that? Because that's how that happened. Yeah. Right? We never actually got the video from that one. And yeah. There was another one with like corrupted video. Th- that lost some of our early fans because first three episodes, we were like 100 plus <laughs> views, 100 plus views. Then fourth episode, no video. Yeah. I still got like 100 views. Then fifth episode, got like either, 36 either views. Either that or COVID <laughs> happening like, and like right. 20 podcasts starting yeah. within this space oh, yeah. at oh, the same time. Yeah. That's misleading feedback though. I think like, oh, you got no video in the fourth one. People yeah. still watched yeah. it. Fifth one, hell, why, why bother with the camera yeah. and all that fancy stuff? Like we're going to get the same audience. I, that, that was, was literally the last in-person one before or no we before might have had like one or two more in-person ones before covid shut everything mm-hmm. down and they all just yeah. went to zoom yeah yeah the, the first three were, were yeah were two of them were at our old place the third one was in the gym because i had a half beard i remember um yeah was, oh yeah dude i was that would that was probably your favorite the half the half the half oh beard my god. That, the, oh my god my <laughs> story like uh yeah. i'm actually thinking about that lingan about the video like we we originally started doing video i think or like with zoom especially so we could like share screen do some visual like showing plots and studies and shit I thought it's like, like, like even DMs, if dude. even if even if we don't do that 
like I kind of even when I'm listening to a podcast sometimes I'll do it on I'll like watch them on YouTube just because even if they're just chatting like sure. I, I like the like the vibes oh yeah like the vibes sure. of like yeah. uh, seeing the video on top yeah. of on top of the audio the the viewership on this specifically is like listeners it's at least 10 10 yeah. to 15 X what the mm-hmm. what the viewership is on uh, on YouTube but definitely, I'm sure that like people who really like it, they like the video. I'm the same way. I'll like listen to audio, and then if there's a part I want to hear or something, mm-hmm. go back watch the video, that kind of thing. I don't know the like deep meaning or like the the cause of that, but I do know like Spotify um, and a lot of, like I used to go to Spotify and click a song, and mm-hmm. it would just be like the album cover or something. There now yeah. they make like a, a little yeah. cue for like a tent. So there's got to be something there. With, they also like, do video with podcasts. Think, yeah. yeah, right. Like right. Rogan's yeah. podcast is on mm-hmm. video there too, which I was very surprised. I thought I it was think only we on might be able to get ours on there. Oh, that would be sick. the upload that'd upload times sick. might take a lot longer. Uh, I think there's something with Anchor we could mm-hmm. do on that, but there's gonna be more more updates to the uh, to the podcast no. podcast room soon. Our, our video look is definitely fire. Plus, we do interactive yeah. stuff like throw Cap Seven. <laughs> <laughs> that was for the good. for the ten to fifteen x more of you listening, Caravan <laughs> just threw his bottle cap at Lindley. <laughs> That's that a, a twist Lilo. off. <laughs> yeah, that may have been his yeah. PR, dude. Uh, yeah. Yo, what did you guys talk about last time you were on? Which well, we, one? Had, we did two, yeah, yeah, I was yeah. going to say. The first one and yeah. the second one. G- give, give, me, give me both. Uh, I think the second one, there was a lot of... <laughs> a lot of it was about, like... Towards the end, I started ranting about, like, how not, like... If you're going to try to be a Major League Baseball player, like, yeah, pursue something absurd, yeah. like, there's just got to be a cost there. Yeah. Um, so just, like, the risk of attempting to pursue a higher talent level. Yeah. Just how that's not, like, a, a free thing. So Talks about yeah. deception, too. Mm-hmm. Dark yeah. matter. Yeah, just like the the pitch metrics that I'd like to like know about further, which yeah. like I, I gave a shitty answer. There, I basically said like dark matter, which is everything, yeah. obviously. But like I, I thought the deception part of it could be like the closest thing, maybe to quickly be like quantifiable. And it's also just you always hear about that stuff. Yeah. And there's probably models that I know, like pitch AI does uh, whatever how, how long you can like see the ball. But yeah. uh, I'd just be interested to see like how precise those get because the biggest thing is like you want to figure out the guy who's in high A overachieving his results yeah. is that like noise or yeah. is like it deception. If you can add that in there, it might keep a couple of those guys who throw a little bit slower. Um, Especially with this stuff too, like comparing to stuff plus or other quantitative metrics that they're outperforming those consistently or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, so Chipotle and uh, dating metaphors are still on, on the table. Yeah, yeah, we, have, we haven't gone to those. I think we talked about Chipotle a bit. I don't remember if that was first or second. <laughs> it's I don't, I don't remember the, the Chipotle talk. The only thing I do remember, the first, the first episode I gave some really good soup, uh, which I would have preferred. Like, I gave some shout-outs. I, I thought I spoke yeah, well of people. Yeah. The second episode, I don't know if I did that as good. Yeah, but. I, don't think, I just think we didn't, get into, we didn't get into it enough. I mean, did you guys talk? I mean, this is, this is a continuation from the man episode where he, he shouted you out pretty heavily uh, on the work you're doing on, on the on the PD side. Yeah, Obviously. Dude, did you pay him to do that? No. <laughs> dude, he's free advertising, man. You it's kind of nice. It, man? It was like, there's yeah. a lot. We, we had to scale him down. We're like, yeah, we're like dude, you, know, you don't need to talk about Lane <laughs> every <laughs> time we <laughs> <I> saw. <laughs> you should have seen him when he was doing the analytics mini course, bro. Yeah, it's like no, getting uh, ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> he might have some type of plan. Literally, we were, we were in his car and he called his wife, or his wife called him, put on speaker, and he goes, "Yeah, I'm with Chris." And he goes, "Oh, the." The master, the 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 pitch design master. I was like, God, you really do be saying this to everybody." And I was like, "Oh my gosh!" But it's good uh, guess. It's good guess. I don't know if you guys if you guys answered this. This is like a very basic question, but I, I was curious to hear from you. 
uh, I think I know like a little bit about it, but what do you think are the things that you've got like improved on the most as, as, a, as a piss design specialist for, for lack of a standardized term? Um, and what contributed the most to that? Um, I'd say identifying why a certain pitch got better, the underlying characteristics of why a sweeper worked with one pitcher and like pursuing it with another didn't work. Because if you think of coaching, like if you coach 50 athletes, it's not like, like, don't get me wrong. I'm not, this isn't like a perfect world. You you sometimes, some guys, some guys do get special treatment or like you put more time into them. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, you're not like teaching them. You're not having like a big difference in how you go about teaching a sweeper yeah. or like teaching a gyro ball. You know, there's cues, they're, they're synonymous. Sometimes the athlete interprets them better. Like you need to have a decent tool set, but you can kind of better identify why somebody can throw that pitch and why somebody can't. Um, previously, it was pretty much my interpretation was largely like arm angle and then like trial and error. But I think you can look at some things with like the, the fastball spin efficiency mm -hmm. um, to better identify, um, hey, how much how much should we really lean into this? Like, is it 10 pitches? Should we try to like sweep it for 10 mm -hmm. pitches or is it 50? You yeah. know, cause like mm -hmm. sometimes you're, there, there's the reality is if you have a hundred athletes, you can probably identify like 25 that can really lean into it. 40 that have no shot in hell. And then it's like, what do you do with those middle guys? Yeah. And you got to decide if you want to do like 10 pitches or like a hundred and potentially like have it be their entire month of development, yeah. you know? So I think understanding the underlying reasons of why a pitch improved um, and then like we have that process logger now where we can go back, see what grip changes we're making, what cue changes we're making, and just better identify like, why is the pitch getting better? Cause I think it's really easy to just like, you know, your coach and the right athlete comes in, you give them a grip, yeah. the last coach wasn't good with them. And then you think you're really good at your job because they get a little bit better profile, but you know, maybe if the replacement level coach, especially at a place like this is gonna be able to do that as well. So you're kind of just like got a good circumstance there. You know what I'm saying? So college level player comes in, he wants to try a new pitch. Um, maybe say hypothetically at a sweeper, how many sessions or how many like pitches do you think do you start feeling comfortable like okay this guy does have a sweeper? I can start treating that as part of his arsenal rather than like still in development, still in development. Sure. I mean I think you can you can probably figure out a lot of this is completely anecdotal, but I mean within like five to ten it, the velocity is going to be like the biggest giveaway, right? Yeah. If like they really try to get around it and they're taking off like 16, 18 ticks, it's just like, it's probably yeah. not going to be in the cards, you know, like you can throw, everybody can throw a sweeper. Like they can, in theory, everybody can manipulate their arm. And like, if they take off a bunch of velocity to get the right wrist orientation, they can get that shape of the mm -hmm. pitch. But the point is like, if you throw 90 and your sweeper is 70 and your gyro ball is 80, that yeah. you don't have a sweeper like you can throw it you can get the pitch metrics but like there's no sense to have that yeah. pitch you know so identity like just being a little bit more the process of it and just like kind of taking a little bit away from every session and trying to improve for the following session and learn from it kind of like the black box thinking thing of just like you know getting feedback of what you did why did the pitch improve and then kind of the reality is you need to look at the pitcher's underlying talent and see what portion of it was him and what portion of it was maybe the coaching ability yeah. of providing the right grips and cues. Have yeah. you identified any of the differences between people who can throw it without losing too much of their fastball velocity versus people who lose a ton? Like typically the, the reasons for it or? Yeah, like you said, getting around the ball more, but sure. like, are there any, like is for, that's like one example, but any other reasons sure. like guys can't, can't yeah. throw the sweeper with Velo? Big, big, big dig energy. <laughs> Yeah. That's somewhere in there, man. I don't know what the R is on it, but it's somewhere in there. Um, I, so the biggest 
there's a couple. Uh, one, just like arm angle partially. So if you, that doesn't have as much to do with like if you can create movement, right? But like if you're way over the top, it, it may be a little bit more difficult to get like a lateral pitch. It, it, for some guys, they can do it still, but like just on average, that's typically not as advantageous. And then if you're like a 45 degree arm angle or whatever, just from the side, that's gonna be yeah. a lot, lot more easier. Um, but I think the biggest thing is just like literally if they throw a four seamer for 95% of athletes when they throw a four seamer, the best profile will be obtained through upping the efficiency. So when you look at that data, you can pretty like you, you can know that the athlete, if they are educated, should be trying to improve the efficiency, right? So like I look at that metric and if they have high efficiency, it means they basically get inside the ball or behind the ball, however you want to measure it, they have their pronation timing is correct. It is much more difficult for those guys to feel themselves on the other side of the ball typically and that that is where trying to get that sweeper it'll cost those guys like 14 to 16 miles an hour one of the stats is like for guys who have 95 percent plus active spin on their fastball at the big league active level. spin, bro. Spin how much Tango? How much Tango pay you for this? Tom Tango, get out of our employees' DMs. Sorry, go ahead. Fifty uh, percent of their sliders are are like gyro balls, yeah. so like less than four inches of yeah. horizontal break. So you can kind of like utilize that and say like, okay, for those guys, that's probably the best pitch they can throw. Like yeah. a Kevin Gossman, um, somebody like that, and then the guys who typically. Um, can kind of get the sweeper with minimal velo trade-off. It's like the Tanner Hawks. I probably pronounced his name last name wrong, but guys who, like, they just can't get behind a baseball to save their life. Marcus Stroman, um, and they typically have really good sinkers. So the um, outlier is somebody who can get behind the base, behind the fastball, but also throw Get all the way around this Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a couple guys who, like Walker Bueller, he doesn't get behind his fastball, but, like, his, his the profile of his fastball still has plus carry. Uh, Caleb Thielbar, who trains with us, uh, has trained the past couple years, he's got high carry and then the ability to, to sweep the ball. Um, generally, there's, like, seam-shifted weight components on that, so, like, they might out of the hand have some top spin due to their arm angle, but the way the ball is oriented basically, and I can't really explain it perfectly, yeah. but after release, it actually changes uh, basically the movement of the pitch. And like Theobar throws basically a slurve, but yeah. out of the hand, he gains like eight inches of lateral break and he actually like backspin basically starts like coming or maybe not exactly that, but the ball starts like basically rising relative to what it was out of his hand. Mm. Um, but I'd say fastball spin efficiency and then a little bit of arm angle for the sweeper specifically are probably like the biggest giveaways with the additional caveat being like seam shifted wake. Basically, yeah. if you can get seam shifted wake on the ball, that's less risk orientation forced. So like you can kind of throw that firmer, so. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I think it's just like thinking about wrist orientation. If like fastball's your your default, um, mm-hmm. if you are cutting the ball with like less efficiency, you're already supinated a little more. So going to the slider, like further supinating and getting around it is a lot easier. But if your default is like a pretty high efficient on plane spin fastball, then like getting around to that sweeper, I think is a little a little tougher. What are your thoughts on gyro sliders? When, when would it make sense to be in an arsenal? When would it not? How do you typically classify gyro slider? Because I, I, th- I thought your definition of less than four inches of horizontal break w- w- was was a solid one. I mean, as far as like you know, a, a with the does, but yeah. right. Um, so in terms of the how I classified it, general, I mean, I said less than four. That's how just how I did it through that one study. Uh, I, I typically just uh, I just call it like the threes. So. Three inches glove side, three inches arm side, three, three inches, inches back. Up, yeah, yeah yep. that's like a gyro ball yep. to me. Yeah. Uh, those pitches are generally just like anything less than 20% spin efficiency yep. or active spin. So that's generally how I'd 
mark that. Um, I mean, part of the vid is just like, what are your alternative options, right? Because like, I see people in comment sections all the time be like, well, gyro spin's bad. And it's like, well, yeah, it's it's bad if you if you're like whatever, you're you you're Blake Trinan or something. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. if, if you're, I mean, I know he's got a lot of seam shifted wig, but if you're somebody who can sweep a ball, it's yeah. bad. Sergio Romo probably doesn't want a lot of gyro. He doesn't need to turn to a gyro slider, you know. But if you don't have the capability of doing that, that's when like the gyro ball comes into play. Um, and to be frank, if you can throw it. If you can just throw it like 84, 85, it's typically a little bit easier to command from yeah. like our research on intended zones as well. So like a league average slider is insanely valuable. Yeah. Like a league average slider that if you, especially if you can throw it like 45 or sorry, like 35, I mean, if you throw a 45 grade, but even like hitting 35% <laughs> of the time, yeah. like Robbie Ray throws, it's kind of like a cutter, but like he throws it 40% of the time, it's like average on the models, but yeah, you know, he can use the both hitters and yeah. uh, there's still a lot of value in that pitch, you know. But yeah, I think commanding a sweeper versus a gyro is like very, very different. Mm -hmm. Very, very, very different. And may, it could just be too because of the uh, like the amount of break that you're getting too. That that's like a mm -hmm. maybe just so tough. But from my experience, whenever whenever like slider velo has gone up, mm -hmm. like movement's gone down, like a yeah. speed horizontal break trade off for sure. But locating it and getting it in the zone is so much easier. Like if I'm throwing get me over or behind in the count sliders like it's honestly just typically more gyro-y yep. uh just because i feel more confident putting it in the zone but if i really want to create like a ton of break uh i feel like it's just because you're getting so around the ball sure. like it's much harder to like yeah like direct control it. yeah, yeah where, where you want to go kind that. of like i mean you hear people talk about focal points all the time that's yeah. probably more what it feels like it feels like you've got to like land yeah. you basically land a sweeper where it's like you can kind of like throw yeah. a try if that makes sense yeah you know? i mentioned that to you i feel so much more confident throwing sweeper slider to righty compared to lefty mm -hmm. hands down because like Cause on a righty on a righty i just look at their butt like that's like literally what i'm aiming at is like back hip but when a lefty's in the box i have like nothing over there yeah. mm -hmm. so it's honestly a lot harder i was a that's probably too why I've been a lot of lefties uh, when I <laughs> throw, actually, the, throw the sweeper. That's actually a good, good, uh, that's actually an interesting note I hadn't thought of. Do you, do people in PD sessions, like, do you specify or talk about platoon splits? Like, are you like, you, this is going to be something you want to hit hammer lefties with versus righties? Sure, yeah, uh, especially for, like, the higher level guys who, yeah. like, a lot of it, too, depends on their pitch arsenal. Like, again, if you have the if, if guys are fastball slider, yeah. it don't matter about the platoon split, you know. But uh, yeah. for guys who can, like, throw a curveball that's, like, more of a downer, they have a good changeup, you definitely identify, like, hey, um, you know, a sweeper is pretty, like, sensitive to the handedness of the hitter. Now, it's still really good, right, to, to lefties as well. But we definitely talk about those things and just, like, say, hey, like, there's going to be a maybe a little bit less blue on this when it's thrown to an opposite-handed hitter on the heat maps, yeah. you know, or it just needs to be commanded in a different spot. But we do talk, uh, like, cutters are a really good example. Like, th those actually tend to play about the same to both yeah. handed hitters, and that's why you see, if you see, like, a lefty starter in the big leagues, if they don't have a changeup, they typically have a, a cutter. Or their slider, like Robbie Ray, Clayton Kershaw, is uh, basically a cutter movement-wise. So we do we do talk about that stuff. One last question for me on, on PD prep, because, I mean, these, these are all questions I've, I've kind of thought about, but figured might as well hit them with the cameras <laughs> rolling, baby. Um, I guess I'm curious how you manage the different levels of information you have on a player coming in, right? A, oh, a, sure. a big leaguer, you have clean data from StatCast, a bunch of support, uh, you can find stuff online, all this stuff. College, you might have a couple of TrackMan CSVs. Um, you know, people going to D3 college, 
indie indie guys like they might have nothing. So so, they, so how how do you manage that? Well, we do the baseline bullpen. That's yeah. I mean that's the simple answer is you kind of and then we can if we absolutely had to if it was like a, a, somebody came in for like a week and they're like hey I want to do a mocap get all of that information uh, but I want to do a PD it might be somewhere it's like hey in the mocap lab let's try to throw like five three and three like yeah. you know what I mean your five fastballs get the profile check the breaking ball typically that stuff takes like eight to ten pitches to stabilize and stuff yeah. plus but that'll give you some some reference you know what yeah. I mean it's probably not enough but then you can use the beginning of the session to basically better understand what the profile yeah. looks like. So I, I yeah. probably don't like ever, I might ask for some video if they have it to get feel yeah. for what the shape looks like. Um, but, but I mean, the reality is it's just tougher, but yeah. you, you try yeah. to acquire it during the warm up of the PD. Um, or basically, to be honest, a lot of our first time PD, when somebody comes in there, we're kind of just getting the profile yeah. And, yeah. and maybe yeah. less uh, sensitive to like react and respond with what our thoughts are to change it. Tavon asked about platoon splits for like in the PD discussions. Are there any discussions typically about like sequencing and like, you know, when to use this pitch or whatever, like say you've spent a couple of weeks developing a pitch, you feel like it's pretty sticky. Obviously you might be like trying to deploy it in, in uh, <laughs> might be trying to deploy it in um, live ABs or whatever, but sure. is that a part? I know there's like mixed research and stuff sure. with actual, the effect of sequencing or whatever, but. Uh, that's a really good one, um, to be honest, because I, I had when I went on MLB Network Radio and they asked me like a similar thing a while mm -hmm. ago, and I know that they've researched it through <laughs> Saber. No, hey, nobody, nobody listened to it, so I'm just gonna throw that in there. We're 20 minutes in. Put a timestamp. I want a timestamp. Yeah, 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 timestamp that says Langan. This is a clip I'm putting out on Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> come on. Um, but no, I, I like the question because it is something that I'm. It, basically, I said this. This is basically my response. I was just like. When guys come here, they need to get their typically, typically when guys come here, they need to get their talent level to a higher threshold, right? And I consider something like sequencing to be like getting the last ounce, so to speak, out of like in-game results. You know what I mean? So think of like, I mean, I don't have a great answer for you, to be honest. We, we talk about it a bit, but I am not of the belief that like you should necessarily like over provide like a very assertive answer as to how to pitch somebody. That's just me. Yeah. Like... Uh, I think we can definitely, you can kind of go like two analysts with it and remove all of the context and mm -hmm. be like, oh, just throw all sliders. And like, besides Matt Whistler, nobody does that. And there's probably a reason for that. Um, but I think it's, it's, there's so many variables at play in terms of like, what's the, how good is the athlete commanding the pitch? Mm -hmm. And then like, what biases do you have that make you think you should go with that pitch to that guy? The biggest thing we'll talk about is like swing paths. Um, things of that nature, when to use the yeah. sinker, when to use the four seamer. But in terms of like sequencing, uh, probably something I need to to like research more. And it just like the the best answer I can give is just like we're so focused generally on getting the the core talent level of mm -hmm. the athlete to a spot where like okay now sequencing the hitter is maybe like why we're going between like AAA and the big leagues. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's not something that's typically why you can't get outs in d2 baseball that's just my opinion and it's also but. mostly mostly out of the athletes control i'd say for like oh sure significant portion of the people you're working with like college you know most oh because they're not calling most pitches. programs yeah. right uh, i actually don't know if i should say most but i feel like i don't know what do you think what do you think you think a majority of d1 programs the pitching coach or someone is calling pitches That's wearables dude i, I don't I, to be honest i don't know for sure yeah. uh i can tell you when i would when i coached juco i i would have 
I, I called the pitches to be honest. I know it's like yeah. an unpopular thing, but I would have definitely. I would say it's a popular. Thing. I mean, or sorry, it's an unpopular thing to admit that aloud yeah. that I work here. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So like, it's some that kind. It's probably like the one thing I do that like. I'm generally am on board with like you know like Bodie's thoughts or whatever. Yeah. Like I generally like 100%. I work here, so like I'm generally on board with like most of his thoughts. But like when I think of when I coached JUCO. Uh, if I didn't call the pitches, like it was just going to be fastball paradise, you know, yeah. like that. And now the, the, the reality is I should have done a better job of like just developing the catcher's ability to notice that mm. and think that way. But it was kind of like, you know, I was making 4,000 bucks and now I was, yeah. you know, so there was some pressure to try to have my point on all parts of the game I could. But I, I've heard other takes on that, that dynamic where it's, it's more about like, um, I don't quite remember who I remember hearing this from, but. Like, as a pitching coach, especially at the higher levels, like, you know, D1 baseball, when it's literally your job, salary, livelihood, depends on it, you know. You don't want some 18 to 22-year-old out there making the decision of, I'm going to throw this pitch that then results in whatever poor result, and that's now a reflection on, like, your pitching staff, right? Like, when I when it got explained to me from that perspective – I was like, uh, okay, that that makes sense. I can understand why a coach would be very adamant about like, I call the pitches, right. execute kind of thing. That um, I don't necessarily uh, think that's best for the athlete or whatever. But like hearing a take like that or that point being made was like, okay, that that makes sense, right? Like if your your job, your livelihood is on the line, um, you know, you want to be in the position where you're calling the pitches. They're executing uh, whatever. You can get into the whole dynamic of like uh, the the wrong pitch called with the right execution is better than right. you know the opposite of that. Whatever. Um, but I'd probably put I put money down on majority of college programs across all levels. For uh, sure. You know they don't call their own game. I'm sure uh, some of the better guys get the leniency to shake off one way or another. Right. You know, like that's always. But every everywhere I played in college, for sure, uh, called pitches. <laughs> like it was really rare when we went and played someone, and there wasn't a coach calling pitches. Sure, because I mean that's the classic like right. bullpen guy's uh, job is trying to trying to pick signs. Right, you know? <laughs> you're not throwing today. Grab a that, grab bro. a clipboard and oh, for sure, dude. I mean, for I'd sure. say for sure that. The biggest thing is like if you're going to recruit guys, pitchers, catchers, I'd, I'd look at it differently now where it's just like you're going to – if people are going to talk in your organization or you're coaching, like you need to kind of have a brand that like the player comes first or like the development of the player comes first. So if it can get you better recruits because people are like wanting to develop and yeah. you like have that brand about you, maybe it's worth having like the pitch calling be whatever, fi- uh, you know, a little bit worse throughout the entirety of the fall yeah. and the spring. But like – you have this these catchers and pitchers developing at higher rates, succeeding at higher levels, and then you get just like your core talent level that you acquire through recruiting should in theory go up because yeah. you're providing those those opportunities and such. Yeah. So that's, in hindsight, like that's probably how I would have done it. I just, uh, another thing I think is like JUCO, it's a two-year thing. A lot yeah. of people go to JUCOs and they don't know the rules of baseball, to be honest. And then you've got so many transfers nowadays that like, it's almost like from the coaching standpoint, it's kind of like transactional, you know, yeah. like, we don't know if this kid's going to be here next year. And like, if it's his third, you know, so that I think that the, Mm -hmm. those types of things probably lean into uh, maybe why there's not as much autonomy with catchers and pitchers calling their game. I definitely think that there's uh, a weird attribution dynamic to pitch calling. Like, honestly, I think it's pretty 
trivial in mm -hmm. some cases in terms of like it, it's it the thing that pissed me off about pitch calling was that it was the easiest scapegoat yeah, against yeah, execution yeah, sure um, good you know out. right like if you shake off the coach, you throw this pitch, and you know it gets hit for a double or a homer or whatever. And he's like, "Don't ever shake me off again." It's like, <laughs> I mean, if I just throw a better pitch there, I look like a sure. fucking genius, you right. know? If, if I just execute a little better, uh, right? And I mean, granted, it's fucking the PIL and and studs, but half the time, dude, I just get so I'm like too lazy to shake off sometimes, right? And I almost look. Are they calling your pitches for the studs? But we just have our catcher. Uh, no, no. Okay, yeah, sure. there's no coach that calls it. I mean, technically, I call my own game, but my shakeoff percentage is probably like <laughs> one in a thousand pitches or something. Most of the time, I'm just like, yeah, fuck it, let's go. Maybe. You know, uh, some of those times too, I think of it as like a challenge. It's weird because in live, live abs here when you don't have a catcher is one of the few times where someone isn't like. Sure. giving me an initial suggestion right. or something because i remember that one of the first like live sessions i'd had was like oh damn like i'm sure. i'm dictating you know pace sometimes dude i kind of like being able to like turn off and not think about that aspect and just sure. let let the catcher put down fingers and it's like okay slider i'll just like execute it right um i think there's definitely an aspect of that 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 i like at least I mean, in football, the offensive coordinator calls the plays, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I think there's things like that where it's – I can yeah. see both sides of it. I feel like I'd get, I'd get, like, Lang galaxy brained mid out. Langan's first guest to finish a beer faster than me. Baby, let's go. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Well, I feel like I'd, it'd be easy to get galaxy brained if you put all that uh, that pressure, you know? Oh, sure. Know. That's the other thing, too, with it. Like, when I was talking about, like, uh, coaches talking about their job and um, it's kind of on the line, like – it's going to be tough to expect a kid in school who has like all these classes that he has to be doing well in. Like, what if you have actually good advanced scouting reports yeah. at the D1 level? Like, you're now right. going to expect That's on really top of, point. you know, homework, daily class, practice, yeah. strength and conditioning, all that stuff. Prep you're like, stuff. hey, guess what? We're going to p play this Power 5 team. Here's a scouting report of their last 100 at bats. Know this because you're calling all your own pitches, right? right? Whereas you could just have a guy, a pitching coach, whatever, an analytics team that runs through it. So that that's kind of another side where I'm like, I don't mind pitches or pitching coaches calling pitches. Like I don't think it's a. So do you guys think thing. like catchers are catchers are better at calling pitches between like uh, college playing levels? Like do you think a D1 catcher is better than a D2 catcher, better than a D3 catcher? Or do you think at that point it's like all kind of the same? I'd guess selection bias, to be honest. If you yeah. call your game, you're probably you've met a threshold yeah. that yeah. that's a stupid answer. But I, I would I would guess it's pretty pretty trivial. I kind of along the lines of what I was saying. I think at the Power Five level, like thinking about SEC baseball, you're probably better off letting the coach or whoever it is that is actually dealing with all these scouting reports, yeah. letting them just just call the game and make the decisions. Because yeah, dude, it'd be pretty hard to just ask some sophomore starting catcher and be like all right here's who we got this weekend like memorize all of this take into account all of our guys arsenals you know their performance right. and pitches and you're making the decision every 15 20 seconds yeah. as opposed to just the guy who's literally paid yeah. to you know uh based on the pitching staff's results let him do it he's putting in all the work there but but but, but it's like counterpoint speaking as someone who uh hasn't played college baseball uh but but, but i feel like catchers and just like 
modern players who are going to be better at interpreting some of the, some of those reports too, right? Yeah. Because the assumption there is that the D one coach like yeah. not only believes in it but also like can interpret it, can can come up with actionable items off it, right? Um, like game plans. But but I mean, I, yeah, I, I think I think your point stands. Just yeah. like a, I think the best dynamic, uh, thinking through it more, is just like give a little bit of leniency or, or autonomy to the catcher yeah. and pitcher. Like if you see something, let them maybe say, hey, you can, you know, if you if you feel like what I just gave you is, is off and you think you have a better idea based on what you're seeing in the box, something that the third base coach did, whatever, like, sure, go ahead, justify it after. Like, I think that's yeah. probably the, the healthiest, some sort of hybrid, you know? Speaking of, really quick interjection, but do we should have uh – Speaking of D1 coaching and catching your catcher, our old roommate, Jagar, oh, yeah. on the podcast, dude. Yeah. Is, he is, does, is he still, does a lot of the pitching stuff. Is he still coaching at West, uh, 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 West Virginia? Yeah, yeah. I, we, I haven't seen yeah. him since the podcast started. I only saw him, I saw him 2020 a, ABCA last time. We could do a double. We got two. Oh, yeah. That'd be great. Because uh, Sigmund, Sigmund went there. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, WVU alum. Who else went there? Carpenter. Carp, right? Oh, really? Didn't David, David Carpenter went to... <laughs> I don't have know to one. search it. You have to Google that one. I don't know. I think for that's sure. right. <laughs> I don't know. You the, the only know I know. The only did you go to WVU? Who? When we went for the. I thought I said, did you go to WVU? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. Is that you? Too, I was, I know. Did I go to WVU? <laughs> 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 Steven Skosh, that uh, or, no, uh, no, that mocap trip. Did you go there? No. Oh, okay. I think it was just you, dude. Wasn't it? That might be right. That might be right. Lone trip. Yeah, I think it was. Speaking of scouting reports, I know like these D1 teams have like pretty big. Uh, student manager and, and analytics teams. Do they like how many advanced reports do you think get run right now? Shout out Demon Deeks, one of the best records college baseball. Would you ask how many advanced reports are there? Do you think at like out of like, all what, what of the colleges in the yeah or no just like total number like oh. how many colleges do you think have advanced reports going into a weekend series? Like basically something more advanced than like a. I, I, I guess no. I, I, I guess anything. I was, I was thinking it's like yeah. something more advanced. What's your, than like, what's your uh, threshold for going from report to advanced? I don't know. Like something, any, more anything, notes. Yeah, something more than something notes. Something more than just like notes based viz. on yeah, based on like in-game success. In some, the last, I, I, I don't know for sure. I can't imagine many though. That's just I, I know they've got mm-hmm. uh, some true media stuff and they've got track man, but yeah, <laughs> that's. Yeah, I think I think our definition of advanced might be different sure. than normal <laughs> college person. I'm, advanced. I'm like kind of like anchoring on maybe a little bit more like fundamental than what the minor league minor league teams might have. Yeah, I, and I don't even know exactly what they get. I mean, when, at D three, we got like going onto the bus when we were on our way to wherever for the next few games. We would just get a stapled pamphlet of papers and all the stats of the team and. That. Mm-hmm. So that's like, I wouldn't call that advanced. Yeah. No. Um, higher levels going into weekends. Yeah. Like, I mean, granted, I had, I had Kai uh, at Northern Colorado and he would just crush through film, watch, but watch a bunch of stuff. He's with the Guardians out. still? No, no. He's the bench coach for the Giants. The Giants. Oh, but he was with the Guardians, right? Yeah, he was or with the Guardians. Was with Indians, yeah. yeah, he was with yeah. the Indians. Okay. Their bench yeah. coach, mini uh, Gabe Kapler. Um <laughs> As he so got called it. No, I just when the playoffs were going on, because they were always standing next to each other, it looked so similar. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually crazy. Yeah, I had him at UPS and at Northern Colorado. But when we were there, I mean, we would get pretty um, – they were qualitative notes. Yeah. I don't think we got anything quantitative. Yeah. It was like based on, you know, swings in certain zones or on certain pitches. We'd get some decent platoon splits. But it was mostly just like – 
watching a video or based on their stats, a couple qualitative notes, yeah. you know, seeing some success that they, like a previous opponent attacked with fastball early and that was good, or, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, finish with sliders away. Here's what he did in most of his strikeouts. Um, and a I mean, that, that was mid-major D1. Yeah. I, I think that would be pretty regular uh, at that level. I'm sure SEC, Power 5, any of these schools with large analytics teams, I mean, yeah, I'm sure they're getting like some actually pretty uh, pretty intense like quantitative uh, advanced reports. Wouldn't be surprised, at least. So and a lot of that probably just comes from. I got no clue, man. I got no clue. A lot of that probably just comes from like word of mouth, right? Like talking to other coaches, talking to buddies, like yeah, you know, yeah. That's what I was wondering with that stuff, with the qualitative stuff. Like how much? Now that I think about it, even at UPS we had that. You know, there there would be a couple like notes on guys. Like what? Like this guy blows. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing quite like that. Just like Wait, little things. Get to the point, guy, man. Like, I like fuck that. Fuck the sweeper on this guy. <laughs> it doesn't matter what happens. More along the lines of like, you know, off-speed early finish with yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know at the upper levels. And I, I don't even know minor league baseball, too. I have yeah. no frame of reference for what they kind of get or, or what they work with there. Langan, how do you think the pro offseason went this year? This is your second one, or is it your third one? Because you came in fall so it's, 2019. It's, it's really my second one. Uh, I mean, I was an intern from December, my first year in 2019, to whatever, May. Hmm. So basically my second. Um, it was good. I think we had as many uh, like big league arms as we've had uh, in terms of like guys who had the advantage plan, mm-hmm. um, things of that nature. So speaking on that standpoint, obviously good. Um, and... <laughs> I mean, it was good. I mean, we had Arizona, so like, yeah. there's like a huge component of it I didn't get to see. You get, I mean, so there's like th- the things that happened in Arizona that was like forty percent of it. I just don't. I mean, I speak with those guys 40% all the time. Of had, like, like the the pro, pro, the pro, pro I mean, probably like 80 percent. But guys came up and assessed here. Yeah. Um, worked worked with certain guys, etc. But a lot of the pro guys, honestly, are in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, so. And, and, like, there's there's good uh, back and forth between, like, what's going on down there and such. But, like, I'm not working uh, hands-on with, like, as many of those guys just because I'm st- uh, up here. But, um, I mean, in terms of, like, advantage plan guys or just, like, guys we've got on that uh, plan, like, I think this is the best we've had. Yeah. So a lot of pros. Um, obviously a couple pro days um, that happen. So um, I, I can't really get into, like, an absurd amount of details with it. But um, it's always – I mean, pro offseason is probably the most enjoyable time working here, honestly, that in summer. And then in between those two, it's kind of a whole yeah. lot of nothing. But it dries up for a bit. Right. For sure. Yo, that's why we're hitting Matter tonight, baby. That's damn right, <laughs> yeah, man. You, 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 yeah, I mean, if it's not pro offseason in summer, you, you can definitely afford to get blacked out and show up to work the next day, right? <laughs> sure, sure. I can, I can modify the schedule maybe a little bit, too. Yeah, no kidding. When I think of Matador, I definitely, that is not what I think of. I think of just nachos. Both, I meant. Blacked yeah. out on nachos. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, we did have some, the biggest thing is we got more insights for this offseason, like the intended zones. So, uh, I think in terms of the things we worked on, I mean, to be honest, probably like pre-2020, it was mainly just like guys who came just needed to throw harder. I'm not saying we still don't get those guys. It's still mm. probably like commonly what we're getting, but yeah. the ability to train dudes through other methods as opposed to just like purely velocity. Yeah. Obviously, the PD stuff is probably like, like people come here for that as well, just strictly yeah. for pitch designs. But the ability to incorporate command, um, leverage the heat maps, um, the best he created, and 
basically script out bullpens and use the intended zones and like there nice. there I've gotten some very good uh, feedback from athletes on like how that improves the stimulus of the workout by oh, having yeah. something that like hey here's where you're throwing it here's you know oh you missed like after the bullpen you can see like how good or shitty you were yeah. and like it makes every bullet kind of count more so yeah, that part sure. of it I've really really enjoyed this offseason to see yeah. the ability to prove basically further that like hey we can kind of like all of the aspects of pitching all of the variables like yeah. we're, we're kind of on so yeah i think each off season we just kind of like uh go up something. go up the next like ladder rung mm -hmm. in terms of like previous off season we had like a handful of these like outlier you know right 40 man big leaguers and then we just like the next year it's like we normalize that to where sure. just big leaguers show up and you know Fart 94 right. in the mocap lab, and that's just Tuesday. You right. Know, or previous MVPs and signing award winners and stuff. <laughs> right. You know, what are, know. since we have like kind of a down period now before college summer starts, are there any sure. like things that you're excited about getting like kind of into the nitty, nitty gritty and getting prepared for college? Is there anything like pitching, pitch boys working on, or like going into uh, this season with the more downtime? Um, I mean, I think continuing to configure like how intended zones can be used best or like to get that feedback to the athlete mm -hmm. in a manner that maybe takes honestly like less time, just like yeah. being able to identify directly like here's how you should change your targeting strategy or at times it's just very simply like your command's bad, you know, mm -hmm. um, things like that. Um, honestly, a lot of systems things, whether it's, you know, creating the etchatronic this isn't like a fun thing to talk about on a podcast but yeah they're like making um, it so it's easier done, dude we'll double making task. it so it's easier <laughs> to like go and to grab a pitch mm -hmm. that you want to see like you can just like bucket it by the movement profile and then mm -hmm. like immediately find that for whether it's content or honestly to just get oh, more visuals like having a database of videos that, that you can filters. just query for anything right and just uh, i mean i think we can do that but like to literally just have it auto populate into yeah. folders and then we could probably get to a point where it's like when we're running pds it's just like, oh, you threw this pitch, and yeah. like we can just go Flip to the it. top. We have all of these slurves, all of these like sweepers, all of these efficient curveballs, depending on what we want the athlete to see, and then yeah. just in real time they can see what that is supposed to look like. Yeah, that's gas. I remember the when I first started here full time, started going on the biomechanics because the tour of America where we went on took the lab to other places and did ass assessments. That was like still very active when I sure. started, so I was following. Uh, I was tagging along with Anthony and Joe to the trips that they went on so I could learn how to do it, set it up myself, go through the meetings. And the meetings was the biggest part, um, like talk, talking to athletes and explaining a, explaining a report when I haven't really pitched sure. <laughs> in, in five years or whatever. Um, but one of the things that stood out to me with Anthony is he had like a, a folder full of gifts of like the best yeah. throwers. At the time, we didn't have a ton like a ton of time, but we had like, okay, this guy moves really fucking good. He's like right. five seven or five eight, and he throws ninety five. You know, and we like have a gif of his, his skeleton. <laughs> yeah. We have a gif of his skeleton, and we can see like, okay, this is what I'm talking about, like regarding what position and everything. So right. I don't know. It seems like a super powerful thing to to have when like trying to explain right. these more complex things with athletes or more abstract. Right. No. Yeah. The visuals are whether it's like biomechanics, like right. The the numbers are like they need to be there a hundred percent, but when you can like uh add an additional uh visual or something like that that just kind of yeah. makes it come there's the, the amount of visual learners that we have at the 
that I've like ran into, at least with athletes, is, is pretty absurd. You know, yeah. you'll you'll try to put something in a text message about like, hey, here's your command data for the day. Uh, median miss was 14. And like, don't get me wrong, I'm not like an idiot. Like, I I, I provide references for like what the average is, you know. Mm-hmm. But and it's like, okay, I get that. That makes sense. And then you like just send a visual of like yeah. their plot, and they're just like, oh, oh okay, sure. like yeah. I can see that heat map and like yeah. where it. And, and it just kind of makes things. It makes it easier on you. But yeah, to be honest, it sure. just makes it easier on you as a coach. So I think it gets easier as as you go. Um, I think that that type of thing was definitely way more important back then. It's probably still important now, but it kind of like the importance of those visuals almost drops down as the oh. the learning curve shrinks, right? Mm-hmm. Because the base the base level of understanding for like pitch design or biomechanics is already so much higher than it was when we were doing that. Because mm-hmm. back then, dude, it was hieroglyphics. I mean, meeting with an athlete and talking to them about sure. shoulder horizontal abduction before we really talked about that. Or yeah, like younger. It's just like, all right, I can tell this is making no sense at all to you. Right. Here's an overhead video of, of Joe Boyle throwing 100 miles an hour. That's right. This is this is a good example. Like this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> right. And then here, this here's is you. a good example <laughs> of know? a good pitch. Yeah, and then throwing like, 18 miles harder. Yeah, I'm like here's and, <laughs> and here's you. Right. You know, it's right. like, And that makes sense. But the previous. 10 minutes of me trying to explain sure. like, transverse plane, humoral movement, all this right. stuff was just like, phew. I'm sure it's just like sure. pretty similar on the, oh. on the, on the pitch design side. Without That's why doubt. early on I like went really deep into the blender stuff to get the, the edge visuals. Like that was one of sure. the early impetus of those because even getting into that, you know, HB and VB weren't common acronyms, right? As they are now, you sure. know. So it's a lot easier to to explain like what does that mean? What does horizontal break, vertical break? Now you hear those things and you understand h- how they're calculated, what goes into it. So sure. I think it just gets gets easier as we go for for sure with that. Right. Was that the you think? Have you noticed similarly in athlete meetings over your your time here? Like has describing biomech reports or, or pitch design things has it gotten easier year over year with, with athletes or i'd say pitch design definitely now like don't get me wrong there's still like you still have to have kind of the tool in your toolbox to be able to like give the beginner tutorial uh mm-hmm. but like that if that's like a one out of ten if maybe like two years ago it was like a two you can kind of start off with like a four out of ten in terms of like the in-depth explanation like there's there's generally an understanding of like the biggest thing is we're basically the point where we know what spin rate is i'm just talking about like if an average athlete comes into here Mm -hmm. um but like there's still a lot of people who are like oh spin rate i have high spin so like i should throw up in the zone and it's you know that that we're at least to there you know what i mean and now like the guys who are here for more than a month like they have all that uh, understood. They they know like what type of like fastball variation is probably yeah. more useful for them, et cetera, or if they can blend both. Um, but like, yeah, I'd, I'd say for sure. Also, I've just understood it better, so I can better uh, you can better identify when somebody's struggling with it, or like if they need more. You yeah. know, that sounds weird, but like yeah. you can pick up on if they have a half a clue what the hell you're saying. Yeah. You know, um, the biomech stuff is always kind of hit or miss. But I'm telling when, when people retest and you do those retest meetings, you can see it like. Within like the second retest meeting you do, they're like, they're like pointing the report. Hey, standard deviations, like you know, could, could you explain that a little bit more? And yeah. it's like that never happens with the uh, athlete who who begins. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So, um, I think that's a lot of the value of training here. Honestly, is like if you want to coach, like you can. I mean, to be honest, if you want to coach, like you more or less if, when you're training, you really care about baseball and you throw 87 and you're 19, and it's like you know, I want to yeah. play in the majors or I want to play D1, but like if you're like on the fence 
you can like really figure out if you want to coach down the road if you mm -hmm. come here and you're going to get a lot of information that's going to be advantageous for you yeah. um in the future that's so. definitely the one of the advantages i think that we have and that we'll always kind of have because as you're saying that um i think that's a really good point and it applies on the biomech end too of as the as the the knowledge base rises and that learning curve kind of shrinks for everyone you almost get this effect of people show up with these preconceived biases that are sure. that are wrong you know 100 and we almost have to like untrain those like the guy that comes in saying i have high spin i should just throw up in the zone right. it's like oh there's a there's another level beyond that in terms of like efficiency and break profile like it's not just spin same thing on the biomech end you know like they maybe have seen a thread from one of us or or a blog or from someone else about a certain metric or movement biomechanically and then they can just like lock in on that because that's their first introduction right and we obviously have this like breadth of knowledge around everything else that we can say yeah that's just a piece of it you know sure. like we're we're so many levels deep that we can understand and give you know the athlete the better direction kind of like away from those those biases i think yeah i think that's uh, that, that's what I, when i talked about like picking up on like if somebody's struggling with something you can kind of tell like if you're talking to somebody in a biomech meeting, if they're like weighting something maybe a little bit more heavily than they should, you know, and I'm not yeah. saying, I'm, you know what I mean? You, things like oh, that, dude. you can configure whether or not like, hey, your yeah. arm action is, your arm action's horrible. So like it used to be when I do meetings, I'd just like go through the report and like, kind yeah. of like, I'd say what happened, but I wouldn't necessarily put any like pathos or like mm -hmm. passionate talk into it. Now when I do those, I like get very assertive. Yeah. I, I'm not trying to be like a, you know, oh, I'm a big guy, I'm the coach, you're the athlete, but it's just like, look, this is our best, if the biggest thing is like, we're trying to over the next six weeks have the best development plan for you. There's no way we can know with like 1 million percent certainty the exact route to that. To, to right. Like, I don't think you can know with 100, that amount of certainty. But based off of like the variables of importance we've historically seen, we can say that this is a better bet than focusing on the same thing you've been focused on, yeah. especially if it's like something that just doesn't typically predict velocity. You know, yeah. so if you can pick up on those things, I think that's where, and again, everybody who trains here is a little unique um, in terms of like how domed up they were previously or what information they've received or if they just need to get their workload appropriate. But I think that's like the beauty of coming here and training here is mm -hmm. you see uh, people benefit kind of like disproportionately at times, if that yeah. makes sense. No, I think, I think that's spot on. I think there were uh, previously, definitely personally on my end, like one of the worries that I had was our understanding of, of biomechanics and insights and all that on the applied end, um, like getting, you know, just everyone figuring it out, right? Like, I, you know, us putting stuff out and then figuring out like the same type of things that we do. Um, but I'm just not, not worried about that because we're just so many levels deep and sure. we have so much knowledge that we'll be able to like, I mean, I hear it all the time, uh, training on the floor lately, just like being around athletes, you know, I'll hear them talk about like a, a certain metric or, or a certain movement biomechanically, um, and kind of, you know, have that same moment you were talking about where it's like, I know that you're really focused on that, but that's, right. that's right. probably not it. You right. know, like I know you may have seen, uh, an Instagram post or a tweet or whatever that talked about how that worked. And yeah, that's great for that that athlete worked right. really, really well for them. Um, but I'm just telling you, like, there's it's not just about ankle dorsiflexion. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's not your problem. Right. You know?
for uh, sure those kind of things yeah i think that's uh that's pretty big you got any um any any college or uh even pro guys that, that you worked with this off season obviously that you can talk about sure no especially I'm, like especially jazzed about or give give some shout outs yeah i mean cole uvila is probably like the, oh, the guy yeah. who's been here for for a dude. long time so he's certainly had a lot of people play a role in his development mainly himself dude um but he's probably i mean there's a lot of reasons just like love the dude has yeah. like the longest it seems to have the longest Good tenure ties to, to driveline etc <laughs> um solid beard yeah you can he came in one day without it, it was a little one of my a little starstruck yeah. attractive wife all right, Jesus. <laughs> Crazy. Don't keep going uh, the shout out, Doug. Keep going the shout out, too. You got to, you, you got into the wedding or what? So Is that, I'm at, no, uh, not yet. I mean, wait, they got married, right? Oh, yeah. No, yeah. 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 Well, you didn't get in the medic. Yeah, yeah, Jesus. Yeah. You didn't get in the, You were trying to prepare yourself to yeah. get into that one. That's especially a, especially a weird thing to say because I knew, I knew her before I knew Cole. Because we, wow. she went, she, she played, she played softball at UPS. Oh, okay. Okay. yeah, we went to UPS at the same time, and I remember. Uh, Would it call go to UPS? No, no. How does that college get away with using the acronym UPS? Yeah, I mean, geez, I mean, <laughs> ain't nobody gonna know what the hell. There's only one place you think about when yeah. you think of that. Go it's Brown. gonna be yeah, gonna be an exciting year for him, right? In New York, New York, mm-hmm. and yeah, uh, went in the minor league Rule Five draft and. I, that I, shit I, got me so hyped. Yeah, right, same. and that happened. I remember just like sitting at my desk and being like, "Holy fuck." Cole's going to be a big leaguer. Right. You know, like that I was mean, when that happened, I was like, oh my God, dude, that is so sick. Cause I, I feel like I've just known, I've known of him because of Gala at UPS for so long. And then getting like reintroduced when I came to driveline, like saw him training was like, oh, sure. that's who that is. Makes sense. Uh, but I mean, yeah, dude, I feel like I, that is, that is just such a, such a sick story. Well, and it's uh, cool because, the uh, the like the training he did, he didn't do any velocity days this I, I put a thread about about that he didn't do a single velocity day this year now he threw live a bunch but like yeah it was basically in the off season it was just like intended zones the entire time so like you think of when cole probably first got to driveline that was the last thing he was possibly yeah. thinking of you know so to see that kind of transpire see the growth of driveline and the growth of his career and then like we both identify hey this is what you should do we measure his like missed distances from his minor league video and see that his slider just like misses by 18 inches. It's way too much. And we both come to the agreement. That's a good idea. And like, we're willing to risk that without like, it's tough to do something novel. Cause like when you do velo work, you at least have some reference of like what the average athlete gains. Right. But if you're doing command work, you're going into it blind. You're like, what if he loses velo, you know, things in that nature. But I think that's, that's probably one of, one of the cooler ones. Um, Thomas Rui uh, was my roommate in college. I'm telling you in terms of like added, ta- and I don't know if he'll be a big leader. I really fucking hope he is. But in terms of like talent level added from the age of 22 years old to the age of like 25, I don't know of anybody in the world who added more than him. Mm. Uh, he couldn't be, so for reference, I played at Nebraska Kearney. I was always injured, but uh, nonetheless, I played at UNK. We went 14 and 35 the year I transferred there. I was injured. Thomas Rui couldn't get on the travel squad. Couldn't, no, like, no. travel with the team. ERA was, like, eight. And that dude now is throwing, like, 98 miles an yeah. hour. Has a million injuries. Had to go through a ton of setbacks, et cetera. Um, to see that, it, like, it's pretty emotional for me, to be honest. Yeah. Like, to see his development and also that driveline sump. Like, just the entire, yeah. you know. Came with us to AZ. Right. And having known driveline, him before, like. Driveline AZ, pop-up shop uh, right. OG. Right. Yeah. So that's cool. Uh, a couple other ones. I mean, Sean Newcomb, 
um, with the Braves. Uh, Dan Winkler, I put a, a bunch of st- stuff out on him. He's refined his command. We did a lot of stuff with intended zones. He's been awesome. Um, Joe Barlow, actually, my funny story. So Barlow was the closer for the Rangers this year, towards the end of the year, uh, or last year. Um, but that was my first per- pitch design I ever did. And he developed no a, he developed a slider, and Let's he threw go. it forty percent of the time. Oops. Uh, so it's just funny to th- you know what I mean. Now, yeah. I don't know you know he hadn't thrown one before, and he had like an eight ERA in AAA. It was a small sample. He kind of killed it all the time before that. But he threw that slide. That was the first pitch design I did. Yeah. I didn't know what the you know I didn't really have a clue what I was doing. But the systems are so good here that even me like with limited experience prior, you know. Yeah. So that one's pretty cool. Caleb Theobar. Uh, mentioned him previously. I don't want to leave people out, um, but it feels inevitably I'm going to. Matt Wilson. <laughs> Matt Wilson's been killing it for North Carolina State. Yeah. Uh, West Burton, uh, oh, Mississippi. Yeah. Um, and then there's a, a bunch of guys at Washington. Josh Emanuel's, mm-hmm. Stephon Roth, who like leads the Pac-12 in ERA. Uh, Juan primarily worked with him, to be honest, um, but worked a little bit with him in a slider. Um, so... No, there's a lot of guys. I don't want to uh, – obviously, inevitably, when you mention eight guys, you, <laughs> you're you leaving people off there. But yeah. uh, Joel Condrier, uh, I'm going to keep going, so I, I should probably just stop there. But Yeah, of course. Thanks for, uh, <laughs> thanks for not mentioning uh, Cliff Holmes. Uh, that's noted. Cliff Holmes still got some <laughs> yeah, work to do. Cliff, Cliff Holmes still top spins his slider with a four-foot release. I can't believe I, I didn't even make – I feel like you just rattled off 15 names. I didn't even make the cut on any of those. Dude, oh, you, you was about to. I just cut them off before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> earlier earlier that when one you said – when you said some athletes like inevitably Seth Mayberry, I got to get Seth Mayberry in there. That dude made a ton of progression. Sorry, go Heck ahead. Yeah. Um, earlier, when you said some athletes inevitably get a little bit more attention than others, like you know, and I was like, I wonder where Cliff. <laughs> I wonder right where here, Cliff baby. falls on this range. I'm right too. here, baby. Well, one question I had about some of the stuff you're talking about command-wise. So, um, yeah, I mean, we don't have as longitudinal of a data set on meeting this distance, how, how that impacts the shape of your other pitches, uh, like what the expected gain would be. Like, are you starting to get a feel for that? Like, like if someone comes in, they want to do command work, they're meeting this distance, for example, like using sure. Cole's example is, is 18 inches. Um, do you, you, like, can you kind of classify, like, okay, we should probably get that within 12 to 15. That's going to take around three to six weeks. And this is, like, how we kind of want to slot it in. One command workout a week, two command workers a week. Like, do, are, you, are you starting to kind of build a framework of that, or is, is it too early? So, uh I think there's, I'll try to answer it a little bit less to the exact question you gave. Um, I think you can definitely configure like what, like how important the command is of the athlete relative to the stuff. Like, you know, some guys are all command, some guys are all stuff, but a lot of people are are in between. So you can configure there how you want your workload to be distributed. I don't think that's like necessarily, you know, with with pulse and things of that nature, you can configure that pretty simply. You're just changing... uh, the, the, the you're just changing the workout and like what you're trying to accomplish within the workout the median miss distance to me i know that pitches that miss by like more than 20 inches are literally unused like not usable like you may as well not have the pitch like yeah. it's basically you aim middle middle um o2 count if you miss by 20 inches like yeah if you if you're middle middle you miss to the down glove side you'll probably get a swing or something but like for the most part if you're missing by that much you more or less don't have a pitch so yeah. it's not like there, there, there tends to be like if you're missing by more than like 17 inches or something with your breaking ball, it doesn't really matter like what the stuff plus is unless if you are literally like extremely precise or just like trying. Yeah, yeah. You're using it in very unique yeah, contexts yeah, yeah. that are like all swing and miss, or you're just you're targeting uh, aggressiveness is just like yeah. 
very like just over the middle of the plate. You know what I mean? Um, but we can reference like big league averages and configure like, hey, like stuff plus of this is in like the 75th percentile. Command plus is like in the first percentile. Like let's just omit <laughs> the stuff for the time being. Like we just need to get the command to like, we need it to be at least like 15th percentile so you can like throw it down the middle and get like yeah. results. First you know? percentile, dude. What? <laughs> That's a red flag. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I've got, you know, I've had a few guys like that. So. Those um, are like the guys in the when when they have the bullpens down the foul lines and they have to like pause the game every now and then because they're just they're just right. balls all the way to the backstop. Yeah. He's just out on the warm up mound like oh, my bad. I mean it just, it, it makes it a lot easier to just be like hey the shape of the pitch probably ain't like you know you yeah. don't you don't have yeah. the pitch that, that's like when I talked to Cole I basically said I was like when I watch and again it's very anecdotal but like you can see it in the data too I was like when I watch your games nobody is like nobody sees you as having a slider like on the report it's most likely just like yeah breaking ball spit like if you get an 0-2 count great but like how many i mean cole's really good he'll get into a lot of those but like how often is he going to be in that you know what i mean especially if he's throwing if he basically is a two-pitch pitcher Mm -hmm. so you can more or less just better articulate that hey like stuff plus probably isn't where we need to go with this like we need to just hammer on the command components of the pitch and like get that to a respectable point. Once you get to like, I, I would argue once you get like the median miss to like the 50th percentile, et cetera, you've kind of got to start to determine like, well, maybe we just sell out for stuff. Like it's close enough to that threshold and there's less certainty of like, yeah. if we can like squeeze the command to get higher. Whereas with the stuff we've just known that you yeah. can like make small changes and improve it. Um, so I, I think the biggest thing is we get to the point where it's like, and, and we basically got this data where it's like, okay, you've got your stuff components and you've got your command components. On the stuff components, you've got like your biomech and your strength stuff. That's how you get your velocity. Pitch design's mixed in as there as well. And then the command stuff for the time being, uh, like I just don't know that like mocap, I mean, I'm sure dudes who like have a massive variance in their like mechanics pitch to pitch, sure, there's probably, but they're probably also throw slow as shit too. Uh, but like, at this point, command is basically like external cues yeah. or providing feedback. I think I don't mm-hmm. know that there's a ton. And just I, practicing it, right? Yeah. That, that's not, I mean, I think training with feedback is is, yeah. is really one hundred percent. I mean, walk you, before you run, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What are some? I saw Cole put a video on Twitter where he was like playing catch in one of our cages. A lot of sure. people are probably like listening or probably familiar. Long toss inside. I had like put up a mm-hmm. target on the net and was just throwing to it and basically, you know, said like no, no wasted throws or whatever. Right. What are, mm-hmm. are there any other good examples of like ways that you fit in command training to, um, I know we do it with some with the plyo wall too, like putting right. throws on the plyo wall and everything. I like that a lot. I th- I'm, I'm pretty in on that. Sure. Yeah, no, definitely the plyo wall stuff. I mean, that's also just like you can improve your mechanics kind of by doing yeah. that. You know, if you're too close to the wall or you're throwing in like cutting it or like yeah. they're, 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 they're just like more intense. Jake's OG study. Jake's and Rob's OG study where you just like just Be move like two right. feet back and then everyone's throwing like three yeah. miles harder on, on their on their like pivot picks yeah. and rollings and everything. That right. was the, the OG OG before that that I sent you. The, uh, oh, the thing, I know what you're talking about, the, the slideshow. Yeah, the thing me, Rob, and oh, Jays yeah. did. I think just like we just gave people feedback on how many strikes they threw yeah, yeah, yeah. In, yeah. Uh, in their last bullpen and, you know, just giving them feedback. I mean, that, that's, the main thing I've, that's the main thing I've heard from the intended zone stuff is I'm at, I was working with uh, Alex Marathew today. who's like an, an indie ball guy, and he was just like – he kind of just like stopped mid-session. He's like, you know, I didn't, I didn't expect this to be this tough. You know, yeah. like I knew, but like, man, you, you just don't think about it. He's like, you know, I can really see don't. how much I miss and like, yeah. 
the stimulus is just in, incredible to like actually have that weighted against you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whereas like in a game, and again, you got to like in a game when you're pitching, maybe like a shorter memory or whatever. But like when you're just doing like midweek pens, I mean, you you throw the pen, you mail it in. Yeah, it. it's like sure, like we can figure out if your command is salad. Or if it's like really good, we can't really figure out anything in between. And we need yeah. to know if you have like 20th percentile yeah. command for that day or 80th. And that just like gets kind of thrown out of the water. So, um, or even when you're in training mode and you just go like months, okay, months is a lot, but weeks for sure without playing catch with someone. Yeah. I noticed that a ton. Like right. I'll, there are definitely days where I'm just in the cage, I'm just looking for throws, you know? Right. And I'll think about that while I'm doing it. Like, Dude, the the var- the variance and where these throws into the net are going oh. is just you know completely all over the place. Right, and it's almost a shock once you get back out to just like playing catch with a with a person, you know, and having to like be within a you know sure. five foot radius or whatever from from close distance. Uh, that definitely you just like forget the intent of it. So so mixing in things like that, right, being, being cognizant of it. Yeah, I think, uh, for one, like, if you're having those issues, like, maybe just, like, doing more short boxes, too. You know, just uh, Mm -hmm. changing maybe not as many plyos, like, more five ounces. I think, like, at the end of the day, like, what you kind of touched on earlier is just, like, coming here and, like, making it very contextual to the athlete so Mm -hmm. they know, like, exactly what they need to work on. You know, like, because there is a time. It changes. You know what I mean? Because, like, we we talk about this and, like, we're discussing a certain type of athlete profile, like, that struggles to command the ball or, like, has, you know – they waste throws, et cetera. But for some guys, like that's the entire point of throwing the plyos is like yeah. when I, when I pitched my first year in Juco, it was almost like every throw I made, it was almost like I couldn't change my mechanics. I couldn't like do anything to like, see if I had a, a higher talent level. Cause there was too much pressure that I was going to like overthrow the dude and have to go run, yeah, you yeah. know? So like you do need the time to, whether it's a the leather weighted balls with the drills or the yeah. plyos with the drills to like experiment mm-hmm. and yeah, you have the wall there and you should have like a target, but maybe it's a yeah. bigger circle and you can like just mess around with, with yeah. your feels and um, trying to experiment with mechanics. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think it's totally fine. Like the talking about just throwing into the net, like there's, I think there is definitely a time and a place uh, for all those things and it changes. It's very dynamic. It's based on, you know, what you're doing. I like that a lot. Like in, if there's a hitter in the box, for sure, I'm trying to hit a spot or you know be in the zone whatever but there are definitely times especially over the last few months training where i don't care where it's going you know i'm just trying to get an idea of if i move or i do this cue or i try to get in this position does velocity go up maybe there's something there like there's definitely room for uh experimentation that's why the the like very, very classic, you know, watching a video of a pull down or seeing someone hit a mound velo PR and commenting on the location of it is sure. just like, I mean, yeah, obviously we weren't working on that right, right there. You right. know, like I expect the same energy of you if we post a video of someone just smashing intended zones, right. going like 20 for below. 20, right. you know, like let's put that content out. Sure. And I expect you to just like retweet, this is the greatest thing in the world, right. like yeah. 20 strikes and 20 pit, you know, it's like, we're just not working on that right, right now. For sure. That doesn't mean we don't give a shit about it. Like, obviously, there's there's just, you know, a time and a place. It, it fluctuates based on that, your needs. Well, well, we should really wrap soon, but one, one question I want to ask you um, that I heard you talk about last time was uh, gambling and, and mm. how you first, like, kind of started getting into, mm. like, sports gambling. 
Do, do you know off the top of your head what what's the biggest what's the biggest loss and what's the biggest win you've had on any one bet or, or any one night <laughs> I, if we're trying to get crazy? I didn't put much uh, money on stuff to be honest. I did have Auburn to win. Oh God, I think it was the 2018. It might have been the 2019 national championship game and. Fuck, they, like, fouled Virginia with, like... There was, like, a three-pointer by Virginia in the corner, and I think the guy actually fouled him. But I had that ticket at, like, 25 bucks, and it was, like, 75 to 1. Uh, and they were in the uh, final uh, four. Oh, shit. Uh, I, was gonna, I was about to guess 25 to 1, because I thought that's what you are saying, but... Yeah, so. Or, sorry, I had... Sorry, sorry. I put 25 bucks on it yeah. at 75 to 1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were in yeah. the final four. Yeah. So I was pissed off. And I didn't, like, uh, hedge it or anything. Yeah. Um, but I never, I never bet enough to, like... I was mainly talking about, like, when I bet for the first time, I was just like, holy fucking shit. Like, there was yeah. so much noise. And, I mean, fucking seriously. Like, it's not people like, oh, if you want to improve command, you should do this. And it's like, no, that's not the question. The question is, like, this guy is going to take six weeks of training, and you have to come up with a protocol that gives him the best chance to improve his true talent level in that six weeks. And there's, like, a variety of factors or a variety of methods to do that. Yeah. And they involve stuff, velocity, command, mental game, etc. You've got to pick the best one, and you should do it based off of like objective data and some type of probabilistic thinking. Yeah. Then, like, that's what gambling basically taught me is like, no, you don't know that like the Cowboys have two good wide receivers or some bullshit, and they're gonna like destroy the Lions secondary. Like, that's yeah. not like there's too many other facets, and also yeah. you're betting against. Vegas. Also, everyone knows that. Hundred percent. That's what the line was set off of. So, like, I, I think everybody, uh, this is a, a stupid thing to say aloud, but, like, everybody should, like, gamble on, like, 100 fucking sports games before they try to, like, overly assert their opinion of anything mm -hmm. on sports. I'm being very serious fire. about that. Like, yeah. I, I'm, I, I think I've done that. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I've, I don't know how I've done, but I think I've done that. Like, you know, I, I literally, even if it's just, like, pitch selection, something yeah. like that, I just hear people like, oh, like, you shouldn't have thrown him a cutter in that count. Yeah. I'm like... Do you know the variety of like potential can, outcomes yeah. of you know like put put ten bucks down on the next pitch of yeah. what he's going to throw? Yeah, you know? then like, be fucking Bayesian yeah. and put some money on the yeah, shit. Yeah. You know, you can bet on it. You can yeah. literally bet on it. If you know sports yeah. well, you have to get fifty five percent. Bet on the fucking thing. Yeah. Like you know, and tell me yeah, and the result. Oh, and everything. all baseball's yeah. about is throwing some fucking strikes. Okay, yeah. bet on it. Yeah. Throwing <laughs> strikes. The next strike is going to be a good yeah. outcome. Like bet, bet on the guy who has the best command but throws eighty five and yeah. didn't see how many like in D two that's fucking great yeah. but like modify your context when those opinions yeah. are made you know modify it hey in high school baseball i think when you throw 77 pound the zone uh like you're gonna get really good outcomes that's probably fucking true like that's not any i don't think anybody's gonna debate that i coached high school baseball yeah. like the small game works nobody very few players have the bat speed did it over the fence so like yeah. Developing runs through the inability of the fielders to make plays. Yes, that's a thing. Yeah. Also, it doesn't fucking help those kids like develop the skills to get to where they want to be. Yeah. You know. Um, well, also, I didn't remember if you made any bets with me or not, but I was thinking about the time uh, the Super Bowl at <laughs> Lindley's house, twenty twenty one, because 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 we were both rooting for the Chiefs. Right. Um, did you did you hop in on any of those bets, or was this no. me going down with the singing ship? No, I didn't, man. I'm beyond my. Uh, I had a. I made a bet on Jameis Winston. This was uh, I so I made the bet before I coached JUCO baseball. No, I'm like this is this serious thing. I made the bet before I coached JUCO baseball, and Jameis Winston was like ten to one to lead the NFL in passing yards, and he won well, the well, damn. What thing. season was this? Uh, I want to say it was nineteen. But was that his second year, third year? It was it was the year he threw thirty interceptions with yeah, the Buccaneers. Yeah, yeah. yeah he led the league in passing long, yards yeah. that year. Yeah, fucking bookie hasn't paid me yet. So oh, I, really? I got yeah. No, I got yeah. Dude. I still I know I can't even find like my account. What's the or 
can you say? I was probably like 250, 300. Like, I, I didn't put much on it, but yeah. I was, yeah. I identified volume where I saw it. And, yeah. and Jameson had a lot of volume that year. So, let's go. I, 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 I've had some, some bets I'm proud of. Um, plenty that I'm not. I'm, I'm trying to think of a good one. I had uh, UCLA had. UCLA was playing Gonzaga in the Final Four last year. Mm. I don't know if you guys remember that game. Um, it went to overtime. I, I think Gonzaga like tied up a three, uh, uh, and, like a in, in the regular time, and then it went overtime. But I had money. I had like a good chunk of money on UCLA, like ten to one, maybe twelve to uh. one. I think I had like eighty bucks, and it probably would have been my biggest hit. That's actually like like on a on a, on a ten to one bet. Uh, otherwise, most money I've made in one night. <laughs> Most money I've made in one night off sports betting is, is $3,000, and I almost hit 5K, uh, but it was bittersweet because it was off my uh, really close friend. He was visiting, and we both uh, decided to just put a G on every... And, and I knew I knew going out way more domain knowledge. This this was his idea. He encouraged it. We, we, put, a, we put a G on every single uh, UFC main event of that, uh, of that card. It was like five fights. And I was up four zero going to the fifth fight, so I was either gonna win five G's or three oh G's. Oh my gosh, dude! Yeah, that's why that's a bad stat to use. Oh, it's like yeah, most dude. money I've ever won in yeah. one night of gambling. I was like, all right, yeah. you're, there's they, no yeah. there's no odds in any of those. They're all just yeah, straight, just straight up yeah, yeah, no, 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 yeah, no, <laughs> no. Yeah. no. But, but something. No, he gave me he gave me. And the you pick. rotated back and forth on who yeah, got first yeah. pick, we, right? We, we, so we, it's we, like that is not that is not the gambling. So take that as gambling advice. I did I did hit Julian Edelman to win the NFL. Super Bowl MVP the year they played the Rams. Uh, it was like a ten to three game. Oh yeah, that was, about yeah, that was a ter- that was like a terrible game. Yeah, it was nobody scored. The game was ass, but I was happy yeah. afterwards. He made it before the right before the game. Yeah, I, I, I can't remember what he was like twenty five or, or like thirty. I literally bought his book. He but he made a biography or some shit. I just bought the damn thing. I was like, you just won me like five hundred bucks. Like, Let's go. Like, I bought fifteen. His, yeah, right. Hey, part of this belongs to you. No <laughs> kidding. Take it back. To no you. kidding. That's fire. Hell yeah. Swag. All right. Well, hopefully Bye. hopefully this one was recorded. Yeah. So, Thanks for coming yeah. on again. Yeah, no problem. Sure yeah, won't be I, I started on. ranting right at the same time. It, it, it's about well, like... It's when yeah. a course we'll hit. Once you, it's <laughs> when the course hit. Like seven-eighths of the way through. Yeah, just yeah. like the same Check. thing happened Holy last fucking time. shit, man. Just bet. Caravan <laughs> <laughs> gave you the second beer and it was over. Yeah. Yeah. All, right. All right. Peace, everybody. So it's 74.